0: You're listening to the Grace Through Faith weekly podcast. For more information, go to mygtf.org. We hope you enjoy. Good morning. How are y'all? Good to see you. Welcome back. If this is your first Sunday back, welcome back. Uh, we've really been missing everybody And every single week. There's just new um, people that are coming back and not new people, but um, just kind of breaking that barrier of coming back to church. And so... Welcome. We're really glad that you're here. Um, we've missed you guys. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, this this is something, just the, the coming together uh, is something that I, before COVID-19 hit, probably took for granted a little bit. Um, yesterday, we had uh, some birthday parties. Um, we actually, some, some members of April's family, especially her parents, we haven't seen all throughout um, COVID. And so, well, they came up yesterday and her dad turned 70 back in April, and, and then of course, um, her mom had a birthday, and so we were able to celebrate some birthdays and get together with some, some family that we hadn't seen in a really, really long time. And it, it just does the soul good. And so I, I really do mean this. We've missed you guys, and it's really good to be together in the house of the Lord. Uh, and so just uh, as, as we kind of go through the next couple of weeks, I just want to let you know something real quick. Uh, Pastor April was giving you some instru- instructions about the end of service, but I'll just tell you, this is, this is the last week that we're going to be doing tickets and so if you went online and got your tickets, uh, we've been encouraging people since we opened church back up um, to go to event, Eventbrite, go to our website and get some tickets so that we could kind of gauge the crowd size and whether you know we could uh, accommodate everybody. And basically we're at the point now where everything's opened up enough that we feel like that we can um, handle the flow uh, of traffic in our building. And so uh, this point forward from this Sunday on, we're not going to be doing tickets anymore. Um, we are going to be opening up children 's ministry next weekend for fifth and sixth, or, sorry for fourth, fifth and sixth. right now we 're just doing K through or, sorry birth through third grade, and so we 'll open it up to the, the older kids, the fourth through sixth graders, next week. And so that will once we hit that barrier, we 're basically back to full uh, capacity as far as our children 's ministry is concerned. Um, we 're going to continue to try to leave the rows the way they are as long as we can throughout the summer months. We know people are going to be traveling, doing vacation stuff. Um, going visiting family and whatnot. And so as long as we can keep this and not have too much congestion, we're going to do that so that we can social distance. Um, but then as uh, as more and more time goes by, uh, I, I know that the government is saying this, and I am pastorally continuing to say this, we need to get back to a normal rhythm. And so we will start um, putting rows back into where they need to be and people, it really encouraging people to come Um, and experience the interaction in the body of Christ. Because here's the thing, I I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that we've gotten to do church online throughout this time, but it it really is a a great substitute, it's not a great replacement for the body of Christ coming together. Uh, And so if you're out of town, if you're sick, if you're not able to join us, it's a wonderful option for you to be able to do that from the comfort of your own home and even the safety of your own home But at some point in time, we as the body of Christ have to come together so that we can, as the Word tells us, encourage one another in the faith. Uh, Because we need to be built up and encouraged in our hearts so that we can go be who God's called us to be in the community that we live in. So um, that's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks, so just be paying attention to that. All right, so if you have your Bibles, open those up this morning to, we'll start in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So if you'll turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and also if you'll um, turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 11, I'll get there here in just a second. But last weekend, I started a new sermon series titled Essential. And as we kind of dug into that last week, we started talking about basically the, the idea that you and I are essential to the move of God that is going on in the earth right now. By the way, we talked about that, we prayed about that a little bit this morning, but I just want to just affirm what Pastor Bo was saying earlier as we were praying, is that there is a move that God is facilitating in the earth right now. I told you this last week, that in any um, crisis that you go through in your personal life, or we go through as a nation, or even as the, the entire globe, any crisis that we go through that we kind of sink down into darkness, God has an equal and actually greater response to every form of darkness that there is. Every crisis that there's been in my life, God has met me in that crisis. And so there is no doubt in my mind that as we go through the crisis that we've been going through in 2020, that God has something in His heart to respond. The light always overcomes the darkness. The darkness cannot stand the light. The kingdom of light will always respond to the kingdom of darkness. And so what we started talking about last week is how we as the people of God, as the body of Christ, are essential in the move that God wants to do in this moment. And there's a lot of stuff going on right now. We are essential to what God wants to do. And so last week we talked about how the hallmark of Jesus' ministry is deployment and how He took the twelve... You know, Jesus is the Savior of the world, right? But He took 12 men and He equipped them and He empowered them to go do the same ministry and the works of ministry that He was doing. Then He took 72 other disciples. His, the, it just kind of rolled out in greater capacity. And He took them and equipped them and empowered them. And He also sent them out to do the same ministry that He was doing. And eventually, at the end of Jesus' ministry, before He ascended to heaven... He commissioned the entire world, the entire church, to go make disciples, to do the ministry that He was doing. That is the hallmark of Jesus' ministry. Is to do, not that He did everything that needed to be done. He did it all on the cross to pay for our sin, but He has now put in our hands the ministry that He began 2,000 years ago. And so if you think about that, we are essential to what God is trying to do in this moment, in our generation, in our city, to minister the light and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the community that we live in. And so last week we talked about being essential, and I don't know about you, but I want to be a son of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ that He can count on, who is found faithful in His house. That whenever something needs to be done, He can call my number and He can assign something to me and He has a trust with me that I'm going to do what He's asked me to do. So we have to look at ourselves as essential to what God wants to do. So here's what we're going to do today. Last week we talked about being, re- being essential. This week we're going to talk about being ready. And we're going to look at, at a statement or a phrase in the New Testament. If you grew up in the church, maybe you've heard this before, but it's something that's, that's a really interesting statement that I think is worthy of us digging into a little bit this morning. And we're going to talk about being ready in season and out of season. And so if you look at, at 2 Timothy chapter 4, that's where you actually find the Apostle Paul, and he's encouraging Timothy, he's building Timothy up as he writes him this epistle... And as He does so, He he charges him to be ready in season and out of season, just like you and I should be. So let's read this in verse 1. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching, Now, what's Paul saying throughout all this? As he's talking to Timothy, as he's, uh, this is, by the way, Timothy is Paul's protege. He, he discipled him and he brought him up in the faith and he, he, he basically, um, Timothy followed Paul around in his ministry and Paul did exactly what Jesus did with his disciples. He handed the, off the, the ministry. He passed the baton. The torch was passed to Timothy and Timothy took up Paul's ministry and made it go further than Paul could. And as he's encouraging his pupil, as he's encouraging this protege, he's reminding him two things. Number one, be faithful to labor in the harvest fields. He tells him to reprove, to rebuke, to encourage. Timothy is a pastor and he's pastoring the church in Ephesus. And as Paul is encouraging him to do the ministry that God's called him to, he reminds him that there is a labor that he's called to. It's a lot like what Jesus would tell His disciples. As a matter of fact, we were talking about Jesus sending out the twelve and Jesus sending out the seventy-two. And Jesus gave His disciples that He sent out a pep talk. It says in Matthew, this is what Jesus said to him. He says, "...the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest fields." And Paul is reminding Timothy of this principle that there is work to do. Do you believe that there's work to do in this moment, church? Here's what I want you to know today. Listen, if if you help on our dream team, our dream teams are just a group of people. After you go through growth track and you get on dream team, it's just the people that help us pull off what we do every single week. Whether they help in the sound booth or they serve on our worship team or in our children's ministry... They help volunteer in any capacity, whether that's greeting or being an usher. Listen, what you do whenever you're performing that work, that labor, it's vital. It's important. It matters. And sometimes if we're not careful, we will make the the, the error of assuming that what we do doesn't really matter that much. There's been so many days, I can't tell you how many times this happens to me, but there's been so many days that I've gotten up on a Sunday morning to preach and I'm just like, man, God, I just don't really feel like that this really matters. What I'm going to say today. And inevitably, whenever I'm feeling that way, do you know that your emotions can actually lie to you? Whenever I'm feeling that way, somebody will come up to me or they'll text me the next day or they'll send me a message on Facebook and they're like, man, pastor, you don't know how much I needed to hear that message. Listen, never make the mistake of thinking whenever you're leading a grace group or you're hosting a grace group or you're serving in children's ministry, that doesn't matter because it's all part of the labor in the fields of harvest. God isn't just using me. He didn't just use Paul. He's using the body of Christ as a whole to do the work of the ministry. And so what Paul's doing with Timothy is reminding him, don't get tired. Don't get frustrated. Don't give up. Do the work that God's called you to do. And then the second thing that he's trying to do with Timothy, and this, this, the, the last three words of that paragraph are just so powerful. He, he commissions him. He says, at the beginning, he says, I charge you. And these last three words that he leaves him with are, fulfill your ministry. Did you know that you have a ministry to fulfill? You have a ministry to fulfill. God has called you as sons and daughters, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've surrendered to Him, then you are in this camp. You have a a ministry to fulfill. And Paul is reminding Timothy, he's saying, fulfill the work that God has called you to fulfill. There's a ministry on your life, and never assume that that you're the one person that God can't use, or you're the one person that God won't use. The enemy tries to attack us with that lie so that we will lay down our ministry and that it will go unfulfilled. Listen, there are people in your life that need to see the light of Jesus Christ shining on the inside of you. Every single one of us are charged in our walk with Jesus to cultivate our individual devotion with God. That's my job. Nobody else can can cultivate my relationship with Jesus except me. It's my job to develop a relationship with the Lord. But did you know that we all also have a mark to make on our community? Listen, I can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. We together can make a mark on Dumas and on the Texas Panhandle and even beyond that, that causes people to see the light of God inside of us. Jesus called you the light of the world. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine that men see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what we're called to do on a day-to-day basis. You have a ministry. Here's the question for today. Are you ready to fulfill it? Are you ready to fulfill the ministry that God has for you? Every single one of our, our ministries are different and they're, different, they're, they're, they're nuanced in such a way that they match up with your giftings and your personality and your passions. You can do things in ministry that I can't do. I can do things in ministry that you can't do. God wants to use the, the wonderful tapestry of the body of Christ to reach the world that you and I live in. Are you ready? Now, I want you to turn over to Mark chapter 11, because Jesus, as Paul is saying this to Timothy, Jesus actually taught this same principle to His disciples of being ready in season and out of season. I want to look at that real quick in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, look at verse 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, He went to see if He could find anything on it. And when He came to it, He found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. Pay attention to that. It was not the season for figs to be on this tree. And He said to this tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And His disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and He entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And He overturned the tables of the money changers and and the seats of those who sold pigeons, and, and He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And He was teaching them and saying to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Now let's keep reading for just a little bit more. The next morning, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree that Jesus had cursed the day before withered away all the way to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. And Jesus answered them, Have Be ready in season and out of season is what Paul told Timothy. And Jesus, in this moment, in this passage, is teaching His disciples the same exact principle. Now, what's up with this fig tree? Let's talk about this for just a second. Because I don't know if you've thought about this yet, but it's pretty um, unrealistic expectation for somebody to say, hey, be ready in season and out of season. Do you go to your tomato plant in February and accept, expect to see tomatoes? It seems a little bit unrealistic, True. I don't grow tomatoes. Is that unrealistic? Okay, just check it. I, I just picked one out of the air. You don't go to something in, whenever it's not in season expecting to harvest something from it. And so what's up with this fig tree? Here's Jesus. He's walking by this fig tree. It's not the time for figs to be on this tree. And He's hungry, and He looks at it and He curses it. Now listen, here's, here's what I suppose. is This is not Jesus misusing His power. Okay? If you're, if you're not kind of thinking about what's going on in this passage, it's easy to assume that Jesus is just throwing a divine temper tantrum. It's like, I was hungry, there wasn't a fig, and so may you never produce figs again. That's not what's going on. Here, Jesus, by the way, was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days without eating, being tempted by the devil himself. I think that he could probably bear the temptation of an afternoon hunger snack. You know, it's like, that's not what's happening here. Here's what I believe is happening in this this passage. Is Jesus woke up on this morning and he knew exactly what he was going to do that day. He had a plan. He knew where he was going. and And by the way, as he was going to that place, the temple, he passed by this fig tree and he saw this fig tree and he thought, here's a teachable moment. I'm going to teach my disciples something. Because he knew what he was fixing to go do. Now listen, if Jesus knew exactly what he was doing that day, then the whole thing that we read is all relevant. I don't know if you noticed, but as we were reading, we were talking about fig trees, and all of a sudden, we got whiplash, and we were starting to talk about the temple, and Jesus beating some people up, and shoving them out of the temple, and not letting the money changers change their money, and all that stuff. And then we were back to talking about the fig tree. Listen, Jesus knew what he was going to do that day. He got up. He knew he was going to go to his father's house, and he knew he was fixing to kick some people out. And as he was readying himself to go cleanse the temple, he walks by this fig tree and he's saying, my disciples need to see a visual parable. Not just a parable that I tell them, a story that I tell them, but I want them to see it in action. And so Jesus curses this fig tree to the root. Now, that's what I believe is going on with the fig tree. What's going on with the temple? As, Jesus, as we read through this and Mark tells us what happened in the temple that day, here's what I think that, that Jesus was trying to prove not only to the priests that were ministering in the temple and the money changers, but also to His disciples. This one thing. God expects His people to be about His business. He expects it. It's not an option. It's not something with God where it's like, well, if you, if you get around to it, maybe you should do what I asked you to do. No, God expects His church to be about His business. And so as Jesus walks through the temple and He sees other things happening that are getting in the way of the ministry that was supposed to be happening, He knew something needed to change. And He wanted to make a point. He was basically... By the way, those money changers were probably back the next day, if not that afternoon doing what they were doing. And so Jesus didn't immediately change what was going on, but He exposed the fact that the the building that was supposed to be used for God's ministry got off track. It got corrupted. He called them a den of robbers. And so as Jesus was exposing this, he uh, He was trying to get the people of God to be about the business of His Father. Today... As we look at this, here's the thing that I want you and I to kind of think about. It's no different, Jesus' response here is no different than whenever you, mom or dad, leave the house in the morning and go to work, and you leave your teenagers at home. Y'all ever do that? Your teenagers are supposed to be at home all day? Maybe they're supposed to be on their Chromebook, doing their homework or their classwork. Maybe they're supposed to empty the dishwasher, do some chores. And whenever you come back home and none of that stuff got done, did you expect that it would get done? Mom, Dad, can I hear an amen? amen. And whenever that expectation is not fulfilled, is there something inside of you, an indignation that rises up and goes, why did my expectation not get fulfilled? Did you misunderstand my directions? What did you do with all of your day? See, this is what's happening through Jesus as He is the representative of His Father. As He walks into His Father's house, the people of God are not about the business of His Father. And so, here's the thing that I, I want you to get drilled inside of your soul today, is that God, He doesn't just suggest that we do the ministry that He's asked us to, He expects it. It's not an option. Listen, Jesus already did His part. He hung on a piece of wood and died. He was buried and He rose again. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world in this moment. If the people in this world, in our generation, are going to hear about the transformative reality that Jesus can bring into your life, if you put your faith into Him, it's going to be on us to preach the message, to show His character, to convey His love. We have to do our part. It's not an option. And so as Jesus was going through this temple, He was cleansing the temple because the people of God were not about the Father's business. Now, here's the point. Okay? Here's the, so that was what was up with the fig tree, and that was what was up with the, the temple. Okay? Now let's talk about the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach to His disciples. Here's the lesson of the fig tree. Because the story didn't end there. They went home, they ate supper sat around by the campfire. I'm sure they were like, "Man, Jesus, you really beat a lot of people up today." That was pretty awesome. Had never seen that before. They go to bed, they get up the next morning and they're going back to the temple because he taught there every day before he was crucified. They go back to the temple and they cross that fig tree again and Peter goes, "Hey, there's that tree, Rabbi, that you cursed yesterday." And Jesus, almost like he planned it this way, right? Jesus comes up to Peter's like, "Yeah. Come here. Look. You have the same authority to do that that I do. Here's the thing that Jesus tries to get into the head of His disciples, is that there is a season that you and I have to exhibit the authority. We talked about authority a little bit last week. And this is the way that you get authority. I want to remind you of this. Here's how you get your own authority as you become a son or daughter of God through Jesus Christ. Once you become a blood-bought child of God and you're born again, you have the same authority that Jesus did. And as you get that authority, here's the second part of that is, are you walking in it? Because it's not enough that you get your name written in that book, right? God wants to know, are you walking in the authority that He's given to you? And so the thing that He's trying to teach His disciples on this occasion is reminding them, hey, Peter, That's pretty cool that I I rebuked that or or cursed that tree yesterday, and now it's withered. Guess what? You can do the same thing if you have faith. Have faith in God. And oh, by the way, forgive. Now, it's kind of interesting that he pointed those two things out, but listen. This is what brings it all together. This was the season, 2,000 years ago, as Mark was writing this account, this was the season of faith and forgiveness. Jesus was in the temple the day before and he was cleansing it, and it was during the season of Passover. Now, God had an expectation that his people would be about his business, but listen, the people in Israel, they had an expectation that as they came to the temple for Passover, they had an expectation that there would be a prayer of faith that would cause their sins to pass over until a later date when they would be forgiven. Here's the deal. Jesus is talking about the season of faith and forgiveness of Passover. And He's reminding His disciples, and and I can't get away from this thought because I wrote this down. If Jesus is willing to curse a fig tree that won't produce fruit out of season, what will happen to the church which fails to produce fruit in season? Listen, this is the season of faith and forgiveness. And if you and I are going to be essential to the move of God, we've got to realize that it's up to us to do what God's asked us to do. We have a ministry to fulfill. Are you ready? Are you ready? You have a part to play. It's not all on me. It's not all on Paul or Timothy. I'm going to be held accountable for what Jesus put into my hands and whether I did what God asked me to do. You will give account for the same thing. Are you ready to fulfill what God's asked you to do in your ministry in this moment? Listen, here's the thing. All you have to do is have faith in God and forgive. Have faith in God and forgive. See, whenever you walk in a a posture of faith and forgiveness... You display the reality of who God is. Do you believe that God can change the climate of our culture right now? It needs to be changed. It needs to be transformed. It needs to be different from this point forward. Amen? Amen. Do you believe God can do it? Do you believe that God will do it? There's no doubt in my mind that the world is not going to be the same after 2020. It's not. And I've just made up my mind and in my heart posture that I'm going to be a part of the solution, not the problem. And so I think what God's asking of us is, will you believe in me to do what is in my heart to do in this moment? And listen, whenever Jesus, this is what he said, whenever I return to the earth, will I find faith? Is there going to be a belief in us that goes, you know what, God, you can do it in this moment. And the other side of that is, can you walk in forgiveness? I don't know a moment in the past many years that you and I have been alive, that more forgiveness needs to be doled out than right now. We need to be walking in grace and forgiveness. We need to walk in love and kindness, to try to understand and empathize with one another, but uphold the standard of truth, who is God. Are you ready to fulfill your ministry? Now, here's, let me give you just a couple things real quick of what it means to be ready. Because that's what God, if He's going to do something inside of me to get me ready. Last week we talked about being essential. This week we're talking about being ready. And if I'm going to be ready, what does that look like and what does that mean? And I want to give you something really, really helpful. You have been planted on purpose for a reason. Much like that tree. It's like, here's this tree, and all his job was to do was produce some figs. And Jesus was trying to make a point with this tree, but listen. You're more important than a tree. Never, ever buy into the lie that you're a mistake and that you don't matter. You have been planted on this earth right now on purpose for a reason. And as you're planted right now, it is not enough for you and I to just punch the clock and retire someday. That is not supposed to be the culmination of your existence. Is that you go to work every day, you punch the clock, and one of these days I'll get to retire. God created you for something bigger than that. God created you for a ministry to give this earth and to shine the light of Jesus in this moment. Listen, our moment's different than the generation of 100 years ago. This is our moment. And as God has put us in this moment, it's our job to shine the light of Christ. And so how do we become ready? On our walls we have um, basically what we believe our kingdom purposes. This is why, if you've ever wondered what these signs are, This is a reminder for us of why we feel like God planted us here as a church. Three really key reasons. We are here to help people discover the grace of God. We want people to hear the reality of God's gospel, that they can have a relationship with Him, not by works, but through the grace of God. That every single one of us are called to grow, and then on the back walls it says, so that we can all reach into our community, right? Discover, grow, and reach. I want you to look at this this scripture that's over here on this wall. Because this is how you become ready to fulfill the ministry that God has on your life. Speaking the truth in love, we will all grow up into Him who is the head, which is Christ Jesus, Ephesians 4.15. Now the reason I I put that scripture up there is because it, it makes it super simple what you have to do in order to grow. Speak the truth and make sure it's in love it really becomes boiled down to that simple thing. is Are you living your life in such a way that it is based on the truth? Because listen, if you're going to live your life based on a lie, you're going to run into a lot of destruction in your life. Are you building your life upon the truth? And if you build your life upon the truth and you begin to speak the truth and you become a representative of the truth and you do it, with the motivation of love, and you begin to love other people. Because listen, you cannot love through your flesh. You have to love through the pure element of God's Spirit, your born-again nature, and that's how you will truly begin to love the unlovable things about this world. If we can speak the truth in love, that's the promise. We will all grow up. You will be ready if you can armor yourself with the truth and with love, you will be ready to fulfill whatever mission, whatever ministry God lays at your feet. Listen, if you're a 17-year-old and you're like, man, I don't know how to preach to anybody and I don't know how to do ministry. I have a 17-year-old and she does a lot of ministry on Instagram. You don't have to do it in the same conventional way that I'm doing this right now. You don't have to use this mode do the ministry. Fulfill your ministry the way that you can fulfill your ministry. Taking people to lunch. Helping people on the side of the road. I don't know what that looks like for you, but are you ready to fulfill your ministry? I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I'm invite the worship team to come out. We're going to take communion. And so you should have received some communion elements whenever you came in this morning. And if you didn't, if you would just raise your hand, we'll have some ushers that will actually bring you some communion elements, so ushers, if you guys could be ready, looking for somebody raise their hand. And if you haven't used one of these yet, there's two pieces of cellophane that you've got to peel open on the top When there's a wafer, and underneath that, there's the juice. And as Pastor Bo leads us in worship this morning, I want to pray a prayer over us before we go back into worship and before you take these elements. Because here's the challenge, and and as Paul was talking to Timothy, as we were reading in 2 Timothy earlier, as Paul was talking to to Timothy, Paul used a very authoritative word. And I know that I've been preaching very loudly at you this morning because I'm I'm trying to, to dig into the place of authority that I have in Jesus to charge you with something. And that's what Paul did to Timothy. Paul grabbed, it's almost like Paul grabs Timothy by the back of the neck, and, and like a father would, he led him to a thing that he was trying to show him, he said, I charge you. Do not let this go undone. Fulfill your ministry. Timothy, don't give up. Don't get distracted. Don't be about the other business that, is so, that, that gets in the way so many times. The people of God need to be about God's business. And so I want to pray a prayer over every single one of us today. And if you're here today, I want to ask you to just bow your head. And you know that you need God to help you be ready. That you are re- you want to be ready to fulfill your ministry in this moment. I want to ask you to just raise your hand. Just as a response to God. God, I want to fulfill my ministry. Help me fulfill my ministry. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that as we as every single person who has their hand lifted up and they're wanting to participate with what you're doing in this moment, would you empower them to do it? Send your spirit right now, God. Make them your witnesses. Give them creative ideas. Give them prophetic words. Give them a a heart that is compassionate towards those who are hurting. Do it by Your hand, God. Let it not be something contrived out of our own ideas and out of our flesh, but let Your Spirit motivate the giftings inside of us to do the ministry that You've placed in our hands. And I ask that in Jesus' name.